You know what? I feel like I should do that. Hold on a second. Give me a second. Do, 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 do. Where's the thing? There it is. I think we can do that, right? I think we can do that. <laughs> sure. All right, all right. So that's my my first. That's my first. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like that? No, do that, do that, do that. Okay. Hey, multi primas and primas. <laughs> Thank you for the sound effects. Uh, Welcome to My Primo's Podcast. I am your current host, uh, Kevin Garcia, because uh, our fearless leader, Freddie, he is out sick, but he will be back one way or another. Uh, so joining me today is Oscar Garza of Five Meats, recently announced part of Chispa Comics, part of Scout Comics with Mashbone and Grifty, their amazing new graphic novel coming out soon, way, way too soon. Um, and uh, you're probably working on the next volume as well, right? Oscar, say hello. Hello, everybody. I wouldn't say it's coming out too soon. Yeah. Well, I mean, I say it's exciting because, like, it was just announced this summer, and you already have the book ready, and it's going to be a full, complete story. Uh, how many pages is the is the is the whole thing? All right. So, real quick recap: uh, Mashbone and Grifty. It's an ad adult comedy comic book series, action-packed action comedy about two dummies who decide to take their future in their own hands and become private detectives in a town that is desperately in need of heroes. Uh, it uh, it's the first issue is going to be 100 pages. It's a nice little monster. Comes out this winter. Uh, every issue we're going to do two books a year. Every issue is going to be 100 pages. It's going to be nuts. It's going to be uh, well worth your money and your time. And it's going to be the funniest book you ever read. Uh, I can't wait for y'all to read it. No, I can't wait. I know I read uh, some of the earlier versions of uh, Mashbone and Grifty, and I know that. Uh, this is kind of a remastering of that story plus some extra material, right? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. We we're adding a uh, little, you know, we, we did the do we do did the remaster, uh, but we also added uh, this is a little uh, a little scoop, if you will, uh, to pad out the book. We added some uh, advertisements, but they are uh, fake advertisements. They're they're canon in story advertisements that flesh out the city, so you learn more about the uh, city of New Brownsville and you can learn more about uh, you know their uh, you know their daily lives and just the wacky shit that happens. You know what I just realized something um, a lot of the people that are on my Primos podcast are from all over. You and I are both Brownsville natives, is that right? Heck yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah man <laughs> uh, go five one two. I've been I've been in Austin too long. Wow, 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 wow. Nine five six, man. Nine five six. Nine five six. By the way, that is still my cell phone number, and I refuse to change that. Um, it's oh, funny because cool. it's funny because every time I get like a, a phone number and it says nine five six on it, I know it's spam because they're, <laughs> they're just trying to pretend they live near me, and I'm like, I don't live near that that address anymore, man. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but the uh, the big reason I have you on here is because. Honestly, there is some news that everybody is talking about this week in our community, especially in the comic, comic book fan community and, and especially Latino Latinx community. Um, and that is um, the, let's say, the representation from DC Comics. Yeah, man. So, so DC Comics, uh, as, as a lot of people know by now, is trying to celebrate Hispanic Heritage Month, which starts in September, goes through October. And 
they 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 commissioned a cover that was something else. Uh, before I get started on that, I want to point out that um, my understanding, and I've, I've heard about this for a while, uh, that the the covers that they were doing were all going to feature food of some sort. Like that was the edict from editorial uh, that it was going to be. Um, it's 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 Latino Heritage Month, fine, Hispanic Heritage Month, but they're going to have food related to the the cultures of the characters, which on the one hand, I kind of I kind of get. I, I kind of like the idea of a like some kind of uniting element. Cool. I like that. On the other hand, <sighs> forcing all of the characters to be having food, especially characters that aren't necessarily associated with either food or food of that culture. Very, very weird. Um, uh, uh, Oscar, what's 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 your take on all this stuff? Okay, so first I'm going to preface this with with, with something. Um, it, it's a big deal. It is a big deal. Uh, but I just want to put this in perspective on like what's going on in the world. Uh, the world is trash. The world is garbage. Things are pretty fucked up. Uh, Western media is not even like not even or barely reporting that in India and Pakistan, there's, there's there's some flood disasters that are going around. Right, right. Uh, nearly 1,400 people dead. A million houses damages, damaged, yeah. destroyed. Uh, 50 million people displaced. A third of the country is underwater. It, it's terrible. Keep that in, pers- keep that in mind. There's, there's bigger things at hand yeah, than, than what's happening in the comic book industry. Now, having said that... Uh, this all stems to a problem. You know, I didn't come up with this, but I'm but I but I'll say it every day is that the people in charge, everybody wants representation. Nothing's gonna change unless there's true inclusion in the boardroom. That's what you know, the people in charge. If there's and I'm using the word inclusion instead of diversity, because diversity is like you know, you're going to hire Juan and Juan's going to sit in the corner and yeah, then will, and you know, inclusion is like fucking Juan, Juan's making decisions. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so until there's true collu- a collusion. Uh, <laughs> no, that's true. Because, <laughs> oh, oh. No, 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 hold on. Let's use collusion too. Uh, collusion implies that they would be working in tandem. Imagine we're talking about superheroes here. If well, then the, sure, yeah. We need the, some of that. Superheroes of other cultural backgrounds and ethnic uh, ethnic backgrounds worked alongside the traditionally, you know, white heroes. Yeah, that then that would be collusion. So, yeah. so but, we, but no, no, you're saying yeah, yeah. So true inclusion, so, true true inclusion. Yeah. So we can talk about it. We can tweet about it. We can apparently what happened. We can complain about it until they reverse the decision and come up with some fake ass excuse. You know. um, but it will always continue until there is true inclusion in the boardroom and i use boardroom as just like a term of like the people in charge yeah um because the that that just shows that the people in charge only know culture from um kevin where do you want to eat tonight you know that's yeah. their that that's yeah that's what it is it's like uh, like, oh, I, oh I love mixing tonight. culture i get taco bell all the time yeah exactly like that kind of stuff and I, I ran into to this similar problem. <clears throat> I've been in the video game industry for uh, 15 years. Mm-hmm. Currently, I'm not in it, uh, but I've been in it for long enough. And I've seen a ton of this. It's not just video games. Obviously, it's 
um, uh, movies as well. It, it's definitely, it sure as hell is happening in, in Warner Brothers right now, you know, uh, with what with what happened, with what happened with the whole shakeup. Yeah, that, that, uh, <laughs> the, the, just real quick on, on the Warner Brothers thing for a second. Mm-hmm. The CEO came in saying that he was going to make sure the companies did not, just hire people based on on race or background. He'd only hire people based on whether or not they qualified. And somehow, since he took over, the entire board has gone from being fairly diverse to being entirely white and male, except for one woman, and then she was let go. Uh, exactly. So, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's fucking bullshit. So, mm-hmm. and it has it has to do in all aspects of life. All you know, uh, you know, person listen to this. Where do you work? You work at like a fucking. Um, the public library or you work you're a social worker or you work uh i don't know man like at the uh, red lobster like that's happening in your boardrooms too that's happening in your management it, it's everywhere and it, ne- and it needs to change so like in the video game industry very white the the, the people up top mm-hmm. and not just the people up top but also like the supervisors you know uh, i myself tried to get a supervisor position for 10 years and I didn't get it. And when I got laid off, somebody told me, man, you were so close to getting that supervisor position. I was like, bullshit. You know, don't you don't have to placate me right now while I'm getting laid off. So when I, I was trying to move up in the video game industry and I was doing um, I would participate in, in what's called game jams is where once a year they'd give us like a whole week and a half to where we can just form little groups and make video games, like our own video games. And we'll have a contest and see like, oh, this is a fun game, this isn't that. And if something is truly, truly stands out, they'll try to prototype it and maybe it'll become a game. Now, I did one involving Mexican wrestling, Lucha. I did like a turn-based Lucha Libre game. And they liked the idea. And they said, we'll give it a chance. Let's let's uh, prototype this sucker. And they, I had to fight to get on my own, on the prototype team for, for my own fucking game, which was bullshit. I fought for it. I finally got it. I wasn't in charge of it, but I was there. And I was like, I was like a consultant for my own prototype of my own game that I came up with. And now uh, I had to fight daily with the person they put in charge of this game to not make this racist, racist as hell. Uh, and it was the same thing. It was fucking tacos and tamales. Like the guy was like, Hey, you know, w- wouldn't it be cool if, if like when you punch the wrestler uh, tacos and tamales come out and I looked at him straight face because I know you know, uh, if I get angry, then uh, then I'm this angry fucking Mexican guy, right? Okay, like, I'm not gonna lie. Guy. If you if you had like 20 Mexican characters in there, and one dude when you punched him, tacos came out, that might be kind of funny. But like, if he's the main character or the main or the, it, it, it's ah yeah. god, mm. I I showed up with this little book bible that I made or a uh, story bible about culture and the importance of the masks and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of it was ignored. Oh, wait, all of just to be ignored. clear, I'm assuming a comedy game, were yeah. you taking this more seriously? 
No, it's comedy. A little bit but, of both, but, but serious comedy, but 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 with real heart behind it. Yeah. Okay. Co- All right. Comedy doesn't have to mean tacos. You no, know? no, I like, completely agree. I completely agree, and right. it shouldn't. So, and so this guy was like, "Yeah, you know, you punch a guy, and you when you would punch your character, you know, the the tacos are flat." I was very calm. And I looked at him and I said, "There will be no food in this game. There will be no Fair. food." Um. Other than the fact that the guy who created guacamole, guacamole, is is Latino, I hate that fucking game. Just for the just for that fact. Uh, just like on principle alone. Um, but uh, I and so I told him there will be no food, there'll be no tacos, there'll be no this and that. Like that's just not gonna happen. I'm sorry, you're gonna move on. And then. Every other day, it was like I, I came up with a character. Uh, his he does like electricity. We can call him uh, El Shaco. I was like, no, you can't because that's not fucking real. Like it sounds awful. There will be no El Blanco in this game. And they thought I was being difficult. The game we we made a prototype. It was really cool, really fun, but it went nowhere. Because everybody except me was having trouble relating to this game. You know, they felt they because I removed the tacos and because I removed the L Blanco shit, like they found it, they, they were uncomfortable with it. Uh, and oddly enough, uh, I was put on a, a year later, somebody else came up with a game, which was the pretty much the exact same concept of my game but instead of uh latino culture it was uh orcs and like uh lord of the rings kind of characters and that one actually went farther much to my chagrin than than the other one were you still with the company at that time yeah dude i I animated all the wrestling moves because they were like oh he's the wrestling guy so they put me on it yeah yeah you know it's funny because you're saying specifically not funny at all. You're saying specifically that that there should be more people, uh, more more inclusion, not diversity, inclusion yeah. behind the scenes, and that's that's exactly what I think of when I think of comic book history. Like mm-hmm. for years, you know, all the superheroes were white. They they were hetero all the way through to, to until the '90s, until except for a few minor exceptions that were not explicitly stated, um, and uh, and mostly male. And this is of course when there were a lot of, for example, Jewish creators in the background, but they weren't. Mm-hmm able to or maybe didn't feel comfortable making jewish characters because they knew that wasn't what was going to sell uh there were black creators there were there were female creators all the way back to the 40s but the ones calling the shots weren't um you know the, the story goes and this this is not necessarily a negative but but still something that needs to be said story goes that black panther when he, he was first designed by jack kirby uh you know he, a, a jewish guy you know grew up in new york uh was designed to have his face shown like half his face was going to be shown but there was a concern that if we try to put this guy on the cover and sell this book in the South, they're going to pull it off the shelves. So, uh, so they made it a full face mask so that on the cover you saw a full face mask. But when you read the book, you found out, Hey, he's black, he's African, he's a King, all this stuff like that. Um, And, and uh, the trouble is when you had people who were not of a community writing characters, that community, it didn't always land. right. Like right now, for example, Luke Cage, Shang-Chi, these are characters that are like really well loved. Right. But like, if you read some of the early Luke Cage stories, they're not great. And, and some of the early, and literally Shang-Chi's character was based around the idea that his dad was a racist stereotype from the 19 teens, right? And yeah. 
um, it wasn't until some black writers came in and took over for Luke Cage that he really took off and became very, very popular. Um, and Shang-Chi, it was decades before they had uh, people of Asian descent writing and, and drawing Shang-Chi. So it took a long time to get there. And, and honestly, since, since we, the, what started this whole conversation is DC, it was worse at DC. Because at least Marvel was making attempts, even if they weren't great. Um, Sam Wilson, the Falcon, the Captain America right now. Mm -hmm. Captain America, he had a really complicated background story where first he was a, a social worker. or First he was a good guy. And then he was secretly a pimp. What the hell? And then, oh, oh no, that was never true. He was actually a social worker. It was a bunch of back and forth. Very weird. But at DC, it was worse. Because at DC, all right, so the story goes that somebody's writing the Legion of Superheroes. And he wanted to introduce a character called Pharaoh Lad with iron powers. And he was going to be black. And the editor said, well, no, that doesn't, that doesn't work. So the guy, the artist gave him a full face mask. And then the editor, and then he's like, I'm going to reveal that he's black when he takes the mask off. And the editor's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Uh, so it's like, fine. Then he's scarred. He won't take his mask off ever. I'm just going to say that. Um, and then uh, the, the editors, the writers kind of went to the editors like, hey, how come we can't have any black characters? We've been trying to have black characters. And they're like, oh, oh, well, I'm planning something. So finally they come up with it and he reveals that in the year 30,000 or what well, they're in the 30th century, the, 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 the Legion of superheroes in the future, all the black people left earth to go to their own planet so they could be without white people. And I'm like, there's so many problems here. And, and that gives us our, our, one of our first DC black heroes, Tyrock. And it's like, what is going on here? Yeah. And then um, let's say uh, John Stewart, my favorite green lantern. We'll get into more green lantern in a second. When he first appears, he was literally the stereotype of what white people thought an angry black man was like that's That's what he was. And then over time he evolved. And then after you got to Christ in infinite earth, he was the character that I knew him as. Cause I, I, I met him post crisis and, and he was ex Marine, but a pacifist. He was an architect. He was a, a, a man who ended up marrying a woman from another planet. There was so many cool things about him. Um, but, but it was years before he developed that, that full personality, even though it was there at the beginning, the Colonel was there, but it really had to develop. And, and even to this day, DC has those problems. Uh, when they introduced one of their first Muslim heroes, it was a Green Lantern. And how did they introduce him? As a ex-Guantanamo detainee. Oh, Lord. Uh, and, <laughs> and, 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 oh, he wasn't a terrorist. He was there um, uh, wrongfully. But what he was, 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 was a guy stealing cars. And it's like, what? I mean, oh, come on. <laughs> and then they gave him a tattoo with a Quran verse on his arm, even though a lot of versions of Islam say that you should not have any tattoos at all. Not, not every Muslim is going to follow that, but but like clearly there were no Muslims in the room when they were designing this character, you know, in or, the room. That's, or or that's if there was, part. if there was, it's also possible that that voice was drowned out. Like you were yes. talking about your voice being drowned out. In this controversy, we have an artist, Jorge Molina. I've seen his work before. I really like his work. Uh, he had announced on Twitter that uh, he had a design that he was working with, and he liked it. It was uh, based on Jorge Gonzalez uh, Carmenas uh, La, La Patria. Uh, this is a, a Mexican muralist who passed away many years ago. And, and it was inspired by that. And he said it's not complete yet, still working on it, you know, kind of a thing. And then when it's later announced he distances himself from it saying, well, you know, there were changes. And I think a lot of people, the, the discourse I've seen online is that DC made these changes, but no, an artist had to make those changes. And it was probably Jorge Molina himself at the direction of his editors. I mean, he needs a paycheck. He's there with it, with the job. Yeah. Um, and the thing is, is the, the, the excuse, the reason that was given initially was that it might be a copyright problem. 
And, and I look at the two pictures and I can see some similarities, but it's meant to be an homage. It's meant to be a reference to this older painting. If you were afraid the copyright was too similar, change the eagle design, change the folds of the flag. It's not hard. Those are the only two things that are extremely similar are the way the flag folds and the eagle's design. Change those two things. It's still an homage, still works. Yeah. But that wasn't the changes. Instead, there were a ton of changes. The biggest one going along with what DC seemed to have established as their idea for a um, for a Heritage Month thing, which was food has to be involved. And technically, technically, if you look at that original image, there's food involved. Right. Uh, but but you can barely see it. You see it, and I, I could see the editors maybe saying, "Hey, make the food more visible." But that doesn't explain all the other changes. That doesn't explain all the other changes. No. Um, they they had to. Mm. So the final version, so the, the, the initial version had the Mexican flag, had this massive representation of the eagle inside the eagle's wing and the original mural with all these pictures of, of symbolic things, and not symbolic things, but, but just uh, traditional elements of Mexican culture. Um, and and he, he reprodu reproduced all that kind of stuff. So I could see that being a slight issue, even though, again, I feel like this is this. I don't feel like this would have been copyright infringement. I don't certainly don't think anybody would prosecute it or, or sued, but whatever. Um, but the final version that is announced to print they've replaced the mexican flag with viva mexico sorry viva mexico because <laughs> it has two exclamation points but they're both at the end and i'm like that's not how that works as somebody who's been teaching english for over a decade there are there is no such thing as two exclamation points all right yeah and in spanish there is two exclamation points but one goes at the front and it's upside down so they, it is neither correct in English nor is it correct in Spanish. It is incorrect. In I mean, well, technically, uh, devil's advocate is correct in comic book terms. Yeah, no, no, no. I agree with like, that. It's like, you uh, just, yeah, 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 you can, you can, you can mess with. It. Yeah, I agree. But I, agree. Yeah, but, I it, but I get what you're. I totally get what you're doing. What you're yeah, no, I, yeah, exactly. Because you know, you're right. You're right. I mean, like, I, I'm splitting hairs when it comes to exclamation points. But the reason I, I say that at all is because if you're going to put a Spanish phrase up there, then why not do the punctuation in Spanish? Like, right. if you're going to do that anyway, just go all the way. That's why I say that. And then, of course, yeah. they replaced the eagle with him holding a bag of tamales. And as has been pointed out by, by Hector Rodriguez, one of our, uh, our, our fellow Latino creators, El mm -hmm. Peso Hero creator, we wrap tamales in foil when we're selling them or taking them or buying them. Like, like, yeah. like at home, you might make it in, 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 like regular like that. With, yeah, with he's, he's raw-dogging those tamales. On yeah, the home, just, in a know? plastic bag. And as somebody else pointed out, it's like, look, they don't even give us a tote bag. It's just... It's it's a plastic cheap bag from the market, and he's in space, <laughs> and that he's allowing the tamales to fly They're off into space. Away. He's like, I, yeah. like, he's like, I'm I'm so rich, I don't even <laughs> give a fuck if these tamales float away. In, in the original image, he might have symbolically been in space, but in the final version, he's literally in space, and the tamales are floating away. <laughs> right. And, and then if you look at and, and here's the thing, is that a lot has been made of this art being like, how dare they do this? But have you seen the other covers? Like Hot Girl is literally wearing an apron delivering plates at a taqueria. Yeah. What the hell? What the hell? All right. Uh, now, Marvel also has uh, Hispanic Heritage Month covers. Their covers are just Hispanic characters. It's just, they're just jumping uh, towards the with, screen. doing yeah, with, with a blank yeah. background. Let me ask you, as an artist, what would, and let me phrase this. As an artist and as somebody proud of his heritage, which would you rather see for a Heritage Month cover? Blank with a dynamic pose or... Culture, but it has to be food. No, 
I don't want that. I don't want because uh, I would want the editor. I would want the, them to trust the artist to do what they want. Uh, because so, then it's all, so you're saying neither option is really good. Neither option is good. No, no, no. Uh, the blank option's great. Of the, of the two, the blank one's better. <laughs> okay. Yes, but but yeah, trust the artist. Better than some. Nothing's better than something that sucks. Yeah. Yeah, especially if the artist is somebody of the community that you're asking to create this this image, right? Right. Oh man, I I completely agree. And yeah. and like um, I I guarantee they did not tell him to 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 do an homage of that painting. You know? No, no, that was his idea. That was exactly. Out, and yeah, and, and you really can cool. tell, like it it looked rad. It looked cool. It did. You know? It looked amazing. And and, and again, I can kind of get the copyright argument but I you feel, can fix it so easily change yeah. the eagle just slightly it's a stylized eagle anyway i feel the sadness in that image as this person was drawing the bag at the models i feel the sadness in the art like yeah. i just do you know um yeah so i would rather have somebody do something that felt more authentic you know like <laughs> The up uh, doing like we're gonna do Hispanic her, Hispanic Heritage Month, but everybody has to do this one, uh, this one like theme. That's that sounds like homework. That sounds it like really a, does. It really does. Not, not, like not a, just homework, but like homework from somebody that didn't understand the assignment they're giving the people. That sounds like a shitty book report. You know? Yeah, it really. Like, does. That's what that sounds like. Um, yeah, it sounds like uh, busy work. <laughs> Like tracing we, we your want to do hand, this, tracing you your hand this. to make a turkey. Exactly. You know, yeah. Like, like, like we know you want to do these covers. We'll let you, but under our conditions. Right. Oh, and like, man. you know, uh, would did Marvel come up with some shitty stuff? I mean, like, who knows, right? Well, okay. So let's say, but, 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 but the fact is, they were like, "Hey, Hispanic Heritage Month, slap as many Hispanic characters on the cover as you can." Oh, that's that's fine. That looks cool. I mean, it's just a bunch of people doing superhero shit. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's the least inoffensive thing you can do. Is it's like, the least you can do while still acknowledging it. Like literally, the least you could do. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. You, you said you used a word earlier, and you said authentic. And what I'm thinking is authentic to the characters. Like Blue Beetle in DC is is Latino, right? He's yeah. ra raised in this culture. He's got this background, or whatever, like that. Um, and then, uh, the, there's a, there's also one of the green lanterns and it, there's a, one of the green lantern covers, by the way, um, has, has, uh, Jessica Cruz, one of the, the female green lanterns. She is eating a taco after crushing a bunch of bad guys with a giant green mallet. And you know what? Right. I kind of like that cover because she's not interrupting the battle to have tacos. She's not, you know, going shopping or delivering food to the men. You know, she literally defeated all the bad guys. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to reward myself with some tacos. Yeah, That's that cool. one. That, I'm okay that, with that one, right? That was but, that was closer to chicken salad than the other stuff. But then let's get back to Kyle Rayner, the, the character at hand. So, a little personal background. When I was a kid, my favorite superhero was Green Lantern. And when I say superhero, I don't mean Hal Jordan Green Lantern. I mean the concept of Green Lantern. As a little kid, I loved the idea that just thousands of creatures from across the universe would get together just to do what's right. That they would get together because they were the best of their species to do what's right. All right. And, and I'm going to get into Hal Jordan in a minute, but let's just stick with Kyle for a minute. When 
You know what? No, I want to get to Hal Jordan now. Let's get Hal Jordan addressed first. Hal Jordan is the worst Green Lantern ever, and he needs to go away. I'm, a, I'm getting off the topic for a minute just to recover this. Hal Jordan dated a 13-year-old. They lived together. There are comics that show them drawn in bed together. He's literally annoyed that she's waking him up so she can watch Saturday morning cartoons. Uh, this actually happened, all right? Um, the, the the story explanation is that she was a little kid and he told her, little sister, you're too young for me to date. So she wished really hard and her Green Lantern ring allowed her to grow up overnight. Hmm. And then so he, he said, well, you're growing up now and they dated. That's horrible. Uh, um, so he, uh, he, uh, his best friend was of Alaskan native descent. He was indigenous Alaskan. He referred to him as a racial slur for decades. Now, you could excuse, oh, well, it was the writers of the time. They didn't know better. Fine. But they've later on brought this back into continuity and explained, oh, Hal Jordan thought it was his favorite nickname because the other pilots called him that. And literally, the guy calls him out saying, Hal, that is an insult. Why are you repeating it? Oh, I thought you wanted to be called that. So Hal Jordan's an idiot and a racist. Um, there is a comic where where uh, I mentioned John Stewart earlier is going to be the first Black Green Lantern. Literally, one of the guardians of the universe. These guys are, 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 are telepathic. They're omniscient. They, they, they are almost all powerful, goes to Hal and says, this guy down there, he's going to be the new Green Lantern. And Hal says, him? Oh, you can't be him. And the Guardian says to him, your Earth bigotry is no good. And then Hal's like, no, no, it's not for that reason. It's for other reasons. The Guardian is telepathic and omniscient. Hal said nothing about bigotry. The dude knew internally that Hal was a bigot. Okay, it gets worse. Hal was once defeated by a bar of soap. Literally stepped out of the shower one day, slipped on a bar of soap, knocked himself unconscious, and the ring, rather than waking him up, went off his finger and went to go John Stewart and had John Stewart save the day that day. That was a thing that actually happened. <laughs> I thought Hal, you were about to tell me that the ring uh, uh, chose the bar of soap. No, no <laughs> here's like, the thing. I'd, the, rather, the, I'd rather make this bar of soap a Green Lantern than this okay. racist dude. The, the ring could have woken him up, but instead it chose to go to John Stewart. Um, one nice. time, Hal, while sleeping, accidentally turned his his friend, his indigenous friend, into a seagull. It's just a thing that happened once. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, Hal bragged about having a threesome with two other superheroes without their permission to share this story. And, and that has since been like contradicted and retconned, but it doesn't matter. He still bragged about it. You know, He is a misogynist. He's a racist. And here's the biggest thing. I, I don't know how much you know... Stuff. I don't know how much you know about, about, about Hal Jordan, right? But uh, About Green Lantern, rather. But their biggest thing is to get the Green Lantern ring, you have to be a, a person without fear. That's the biggest thing. And their, their strongest enemy, the Yellow Lanterns, are powered by fear. Yeah. Who is the only Green Lantern to have ever been fully taken over by the god of the Yellow Lanterns? Hal Jordan. Really? Yes, the perfect Green Lantern is the only one who has ever been fully taken over by the god of fear. And I'm like, this guy needs to go. Well, the reason I want to tell that story first is this. When Hal Jordan got taken over, his whole city had got blown up. He was sad. He was depressed. And he took his anger because he wanted to undo everything. He decided to steal the power from every single Green Lantern in the universe and just killed every Green Lantern he could get his hands on. Every single one. And when it was all over, one Green Lantern ring was left. One of the guardians, so those the last surviving guardian, those, those telepathic omniscient characters, comes to Earth and says, we need a new hero. Uh, he looks around, literally sees the first human he sees who's not an asshole and says, literally his words, you'll have to do. 
That is literally what he says when he sees Kyle Rayner. Now, back to teenage me. I'm a young kid. I loved not Hal Jordan. You know, John Stewart was my favorite. I loved the core, the Green Lantern core. And when I saw they replaced the entire core with one guy, I got bored with it. And on top of that, this was one guy who was replacing one bland, hetero, white male with another bland, hetero, white male. And I'm like, as a teenager, I wasn't necessarily thinking in those terms, but I was thinking, why not a woman? Why not a, why not a black person? Why not an, hell, an alien? Anything more than just another of the same exact thing. Now, the problem with Kyle is that, well, first, good thing, he was an artist, so he'd have very creative creations. But the problem was he didn't know what to do. So the very first thing he does, he calls his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend, and says, hey, uh, I got something to tell you. And she's like, look, we broke up. Stop. No, no, I got to tell you this. And he goes to her and says, I'm Green Lantern. Literally, first thing she does. Okay, fine. We need to get you training. We need to work on a suit design for you. We need to make sure that we, we rehabilitate your image. We need to make sure that you don't do anything stupid. I'm going to help you do all these things. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to give this comic book a few more months because I like this woman. She's really cool. She's probably the best character that I've read in a long time. Oscar, do you know the term women in refrigerators? I do. You want to know who it was named after? <clears throat> oh, no. That person? Kyle's girlfriend. Uh... <laughs> within, a, within a handful of issues... To send a message to Kyle, a villain killed her and put her body in the fridge. She is the reason that term exists. And I literally stopped reading Green Lantern at that point, and I never went back. You know, Uh, and it's funny, by the way, this reminds me of another stupid thing Hal did. Hal had a fight with his girlfriend. She goes crazy as Star Sapphire, kills Jon Stewart's wife as a message to Hal Jordan. What did that have to do with Jon Stewart or his wife? Nothing. All right. Sorry. All that stuff. Yeah, now, I mean, back back to the topic at hand. Sorry yeah, about well, that. Uh, rant. Yeah, just a <laughs> quick uh, another quick side note. Yeah, yeah. Man, I just don't like Green Lanterns. <laughs> Tell just, me that. Tell me. Why? Because well, like because they're space cops. Because they're space cops. <laughs> I knew uh, it. Okay, you're not so wrong. Like, you're not wrong. So yeah, they're space cops. Uh, they have ridiculously low standards for hiring these these lanterns. Clearly, all you got to do is not be scared. Uh, we need a little more. We, they need more training, obviously. And they 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 hire these lanterns literally by giving them the gun and saying, "Here you go." Yeah. Like, oh, they train them with the gun. They train them, but then they never look at them again and don't bother with what they're doing. Yeah, and you know, and, and I'm sure you know the, the, the defense of a, the, that that bad thing that he did. You know, maybe he's just a one bad apple. You know, in the in the lantern corps. They have repeatedly said that Hal is the best example of the lantern corps. Here's some more stuff Hal did. Um, so Hal, in his original origin, was chosen because the ring searched everywhere for the best candidate. Turns out that is not accurate. Turns out the best candidate was a guy named Guy Gardner. But he was too far away, so the ring said, you know what, he'll do. Hal, in the 1980s revised origin, was a drunk driver who had killed his friends while crashing into a billboard. Even after getting the ring, he still blamed the billboard for the accident. That's whack. Didn't blame the didn't blame himself because he was the one drinking. No, blamed the billboard for the accident. Um, and the gardener, the guy gardener, the guy who's supposedly the better Green Lantern. You know what he uses his ring for whenever nobody's looking? Hmm. He makes a full sized women to do whatever he wants. That is oh, canonically a thing that Guy Gardner does, and he is remind you. Better than Hal Jordan. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, f- fucking Green Lanterns. I'm just not a fan, and, it, so, and it, so, it, it, it's very on brand that this shit would start. With, right? 
the Green Lantern oh, going okay. out in space with a bunch of tamales. So back on topic, back on topic, yeah. back on topic. Yeah. So the reason I gave all that background was to say that this is why I stopped getting into Green Lantern and why I did, you know, it didn't give Kyle a chance. I've had a lot of people tell me Kyle's a good character. And honestly, every book I've read where he's the main character, he's good. He's really good at what he does, right? But then I was like, when somebody told me that he was Hispanic, I was like, what? I would have remembered that. I, I read the book. And they're like, oh, no, no, no. See, he appeared in 1994, but it wasn't until 2000. Oh, no, was it 96, 96? It wasn't until 2002 that he found out he was Mexican. And I go, I go, what? So I actually went to go find this issue and, and read it. And literally the very first thing he sees that, that lets him know of his heritage is he finds his biological father in Austin, Texas, where, where we're at. And, and his father is an overweight uh, Mexican man covered in stains. Now, I was like, is this food stains? What's going on? Now, it turns out he's a painter. And, and, and that was like why he had paint all over him. But like, seriously, this is the first thing you see of your heritage is an overweight man covered in stained clothing. Yeah. Um, great. Love it. And then they give him an origin. It turns out the dad was secretly some like like really high qualified uh, CIA agent that was an assassin and all kinds of stuff. You know, cool, interesting. Um, and then they also revealed that that even though Kyle doesn't know it, his dad had secretly been monitoring him for years and knew that he was Green Lantern and was really proud of him. You know what? That's kind of cool. I like that touch. So it sounds like they were like, uh, the, the, you know, they did that first story and then somebody wait it gets worse oh somebody in the boardroom was somebody in the boardroom has a friend or a uh a relative by by marriage who was at a part at, at their house drunk and was like yo that shit y'all wrote was fucked up can you please change that racist shit oh no, you you didn't get to the part where he's like a cia agent that comes out in like six months <laughs> well so so here's the thing that was the reveal of his real dad mm -hmm. but like a few years earlier, they had revealed that his paternal grandfather had his same last name, which in this reveal story revealed was never his last name. It was a fake name that the dad had used to hide his co for cover identity, right? So they'd already previously established that he had a grandfather named Rainer, whatever, weird. And then they did a couple reboots to continuity, and they reintroduced his dad as a white mechanic. No Hispanic heritage at all, right? So now he's been rebooted, no longer Latino. And then a few years later, they, they reboot the continuity again. Mm -hmm. And now in the new continuity, literally there's a scene where Kyle's really worried. He pulls a crucifix out of his uniform, does a prayer in Spanish, and then goes on to save the day. And I'm like, wait, are you telling me that in this new continuity, he knew that he was Hispanic? Because like, I, I, okay, first off, somebody told me, well, what what about all the, the, the Hispanic people that, that aren't raised within the culture? Look. I am the white guy that you're going to find. I'm the whitest guy you're going to find in Garcia right now, right? But I can appreciate that. I actually don't mind the idea of, of biracial characters. I like the idea of characters that have complex yeah. histories. Um, Sam Alexander, Nova of, of, of Marvel, uh, he is a character whose mom is, a is from Mexico and his dad's white. And he was kind of raised a little bit between two worlds. Fine character. That works out just fine. Um, but Kyle... Not only was he not raised in it, he didn't learn about it till he was an adult. And even after he learned about it, he had no connection to it. Like it was just literally in his genetics and that was the whole connection. So we go from that to carrying tamales. And, and, and I know I've been ranting for a bit, Oscar, but like I wanted to get all that history out of the way because 
of all characters to focus on, I like Kyle as a superhero. Mm-hmm. He should not be your Latino representation. What do you think about this? Yeah, uh, I agree. <laughs> I'm not uh, like continuity is so gross. It's true, and and I don't I don't know if that's the right word, but like no, no, that makes sense. Trying, you know, trying to connect. You know, I don't know how long is DC coming? How long is like? Uh, I'm not, I'm no mathematician, but I think like DC comics has been around for about maybe 250 years. So when <laughs> that's, that's, that's something like that. So, something like that. Yeah, yeah. So how do you keep track of like this 250 year legacy of like green lantern? who has been around for about 250 years. Uh, like how do you make it like stick? Right. Like I'm, I, I've, I've been the past year. I, I've had a moment where I've slowly begun to um, almost resent continuity in canon and just like man just like not let's not give a fuck anymore you know like marvel with their movies marvel's doing something special with their whole continuity and canon like trying to make all these movies that fit together and all that stuff like but not everybody needs to do that and not everybody should attempt it you know and 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 for comic books i think we need to get to more like I don't want to say one shots but like mini series like those like like six part stories like stories with a finite beginning and so end. standalone stories that don't necessarily need the full universe right 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 like um like the last Ronin from Ninja Turtles yeah yeah that shit That's was pretty example. cool that shit was really cool um like uh the the rise of the Ninja Turtles that new cartoon it's totally different than all the other shit that the turtles have I know my friends love that series I haven't yeah, ever but it's really a lot of fun yet. And so, like, and I'm right now. I'm reading. Uh, I don't. Have, I don't have it right here, but um, I'm reading um, a crossover between Flaming Carrot and Ninja Turtles. And I thought it was just one book because I, I bought that book actually in San Diego, but and then I went on eBay and and, and Wikipedia and found out there's there's like a bunch of them, and there's different like there's the flaming carrot ninja turtle crossover books that the flaming carrot guy did yeah but there's Bob also Burden. but there's also ninja turtle flaming carrot books that the ninja turtle guys did yeah and they're totally separate they don't they don't mix together it's just fun it's just dumb fun stuff playing with i, I don't want to use the word ips but they're just playing with toys you yeah know? and then put the toys back in the box i think i think more companies should play with to- with their toys and and not have to worry about that kind of stuff. So like that guy, what you're saying, like they're retconning, you know, the Green Lantern's backstory to make him more Mexican, or they're retconning it to make him not Mexican anymore. Yeah, like that's also like muddy, you know. Like we don't have to justify what people did 40, 50 years ago. You know, like we shouldn't have to justify it. We can ignore it, you know, and and I think I think I think we should ignore more shit from back in the day when things weren't very cool, and that does not, in my opinion, that does not diminish the characters like one bit, you know. See, I feel like there's there's a middle road between everything has to slavishly be continuity mm-hmm. and everything should just be its own little world and don't worry about it. 
And I feel like that middle world is just an editor to keep track of that stuff. Yeah. Like, okay, think, let's, let's, well, hold on. Let, let's say uh, somebody wants to do a new story with Green Lantern and they forgot that he was supposed to be Mexican. Mm-hmm. Editor just steps in. Oh, hey, wait, man, just change that thing to the dad. You can make him a mechanic now. It's fine. But remember his name is Vasquez. All right. Just, just yeah. remember that. That's all they had to do. Not hard. Yeah. Um, it's like, I feel like a good editor would be like, okay, you want to write that story? Write it. That's fine. Just these two tweaks here and it still matches. Because as a reader and, and, and as somebody who loved like the Marvel handbooks, which you check or worked for a bit and, you know, and love these things as a kid, I love that I could go back 30 years, 40 years. That's why I always loved Marvel more than DC is that Marvel, I could go back as far as I wanted. And that comic mm-hmm. book is probably in continuity. Whereas yeah. DC, well, which version of the universe are we in? You know? Yeah. Um, you, you mentioned crossovers. Marvel and DC had several crossovers. Most of those crossovers, especially the ones from the eighties on, are canon for Marvel, but are no longer canon for DC. Hmm. If you read the Marvel handbook, Histories of the Avengers, it'll say they teamed up with the heroes of a distant cosmos. Yeah, mm-hmm. distant cosmos. Get it? Get it? Get it? Uh, ah. But they won't. So they, so they won't list them by yeah, name. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But the, but it, <laughs> but it's canon. It counts. Mm-hmm. Whereas DC, they keep rebooting and rebooting and rebooting. Superman probably doesn't remember ever meeting Captain America at this point. You know? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Uh, th- there's there's a middle ground. I mean, like, because it gets to the point. That, I mean, we're getting kind of off topic from the. Yeah, uh, we're all over the place. But it's all right. <laughs> hashtag hashtag Tamaligate. Um, but like, there it comes. There comes a time where canon and and continuity of year, you know decades. There come there comes a time where that itself becomes uh, a gatekeeper. You know. Yeah, I can see that. And and it pushes people away. Cause like I I tell people like oh man you should read this comic and they're like ah, I don't know like when I'm gonna be lost I'm gonna be lost and like when does this start when does that start and that's I know people get annoyed with Marvel uh, I'm not sure if DC does this but I know Marvel sure as hell does it where they 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 even though the there's supposed to be continuity as far as like the numbers they do a lot of number ones yeah you know? they do they do they both do that they and do I that. actually. I actually like that because if they didn't do a number one, uh, I wouldn't have gotten into the latest X-Men, the latest Spider-Man, the latest like uh, Falcon, um, the Captain America book. I got a lot of those because like there was a jumping on point, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I get that. And, and I felt good about that. And there's a lot of continuity in there. Like I got in, I got the X-Men number one from last year and it starts with, uh, Man, a lot of crap happened, and I'm and I don't even exactly know where half the stuff started, you know. But at the same time, uh, it shouldn't matter. I don't care because, like, I was kind of lost at issue one, but now I'm on issue like twelve, and I now I have my own continuity, you know, issue one through twelve, because I jumped in, and I think that has to do with uh, just giving people a good base to start in. And I think if less people cared about continuity and canon, I, th- I think it would be more fun, you know? You know what? This is what's funny to me. Um, when somebody tells me that they will read comics, but they don't read superhero comics, one of the books that I recommend to them is Christopher Priest's Black Panther has a ton of references to earlier continuity. But if you had never read a previous Black Panther appearance or knew nothing about the Avengers other than that they exist, you would totally be able to follow that. It's a really, it's it's written like a movie. I feel it's really good. Now on the flip side, 
I don't read a lot of DC. And when I heard Christopher Priest was going to be writing Deathstroke, I got really excited. I went to go pick that up. And from issue number one, it was nothing but continuity references to things that I didn't understand. So I did not pick up issue two. And, and, and it's funny to me is like same writer, uh, both with, with uh, classic characters with a lot of continuity involved. Mm-hmm. One of them kind of gives little nods to continuity. And the other one is like mired in continuity and I, I couldn't, I couldn't read it. It was just too much. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, but get back on the the, the topic of, of Tamale Gate. You know, yeah. What what would you like to see in a new superhero character that would acknowledge culture? Like, okay. So when I was a teen, uh, they they introduced a character to Generation X, the, the teenage version of of the X Men, uh, called Skin, and I was super uh, excited for this character because. Up to that point, with the very uh, distinctive exception of Jubilee, if your character had a a background that was culturally significant or was a a race other than white, you had to have been born in another country, right? Storm Storm was born in the U.S. but raised in Africa, right? right? Mm -hmm. Sunfire from Japan. Uh, You know, uh, every character had to have an explanation for where they came from. And we can can tell that the people in charge, they're... They they loved Street Fighter. Yeah, and, and Richter, <laughs> and then Richter uh, was like the first uh, Mexican mutant, I think, and, and he was born in Mexico. Well, Skin was Latino, but he was born in the U.S. Like me. Now, admittedly, he was from gang ridden, you know, South, uh, East L.A. and was a was an ex gang member and all this other stuff. So very much in the stereotypes. But at the same time, I had friends that were in that same background. I knew people like that. Right, so right, it, right, was, right. it wasn't my background, but at least it was a, a Hispanic character that was a little bit closer to my background. And again, I don't want to say that it has to be my background. I'm just saying that in terms of representation, there had been a character that was Mexican. There had been a character that was Brazilian, but there had not been a character that was Mexican-American, you know? Right. Uh, right. And, and so now here's one that existed. I was super happy. What would you like to see in a character, a superhero, Marvel or DC, that really, in your mind, properly shows representation without just being a stereotype. Uh, I'm going to give a an out of the box answer and say that I'm not going to request anything from Marvel or DC uh, unless there is more inclusion in the boardroom. Yeah, because no matter what we ask for. It has to pass through that lens and then it becomes diluted and it becomes putting superheroes uh, on the cover, holding tacos and, 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 and uh, burritos, you know, and yeah. tamales. So there's nothing that I want that they can give me because the, because it's not them, you know, there's nothing that I want that they can give me. And like a cheap plug here, uh, Chispa Comics is trying to do something to alleviate that problem. We're trying to give an alternative. Uh, and I hope we do justice by it um, because I guarantee you everything that is in the book of Mashbone and Grifty is from Rolando Esquivel and Oscar Garza. Everything is from it's from our eyeballs. It's from our heart. It's from our fucking balls. It's 
That's how you know it's good. Yeah, <laughs> it's it, it. It's not authentically Mexican. It's not authentically Latinx. It's authentically us, and and I think we can give something that that there's something in there that people can relate to in some form, and we're not trying to have a theme for Latin, you know, for Hispanic heritage much. We're not trying to do a theme for this one month like they're doing, you know, like no offense, but that is what they're doing. They're like, we, yeah, you, your theme, your theme month is every month. Yeah. Like we're not trying to sell books on this month. We're not slapping the covers on to sell these books. We're, we're trying to sell our books uh, all day, every day. And so to answer your questions, like uh, I'm going to leave that to other people, not Marvel and DC. Honestly, that's why I'm really excited about Chief of Comics. Uh, David Bowles, Hector, their stuff that they're putting out, uh, that they're bringing in creators and giving them more voice, and then Scout for giving Chief of Comics this this uh, this opportunity. I, I love this whole con- this whole conversation. Um, oh, and, and another example is um, taking something that was cool, but then when you dig a little deeper, you see how it was not cool. And now people are trying to rectify that. Uh, the character of Vasquez from Aliens, you know, she was yeah. played by a white lady. Yeah. yeah. But when we saw the movie, we're all kids. We we're like, man, this chick is the shit. She's so that, cool. And she, what's was happened- my, she was my favorite character in the movie. And, and it yeah. wasn't until I was an adult that I was like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah. And, and, and now there's a book coming out, Aliens Vasquez, uh, written by V. Castro. Yes. And she gets to use her life. Her, her 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 eyes her experience she gets to make a book that is uh bringing a little bit of uh i don't want to say realness but like culture yeah to vasquez yeah and i'm honestly really looking forward to that book oh um, yeah because yeah, it's, it's it's exactly like you say you know it's funny you mentioned um uh, about bringing taking characters that might be problematic for one reason or another um uh, so give me one second, Eddie. Oh, uh, one more thing while you're thinking of that. Um, I really like the show Harley Quinn, I think mm-hmm. it's great. Uh, and I, and I like the storyline that they went with, you know, uh, because everybody made jokes when we were kids that, like, oh, uh, there was one episode of Batman the animated series where Harley and and uh, Ivy were roommates in one episode, or I think it was like two. There was and, yeah, there were a couple episodes where they were like almost. Uh, uh, what, what was that movie from the nineties? I can't remember right now. Uh, but they were they were oh Thelma running, and Louise. Yeah, Thelma and Louise. They were yeah, Thelma it, and Louise it together. It's a great episode, and but then like you see some drawings. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not even like being controversial here. Bruce Tim draws for the male gaze, right? He draws for the Bruce so, Tim gaze. Let's let's be honest. He draws for the <laughs> Bruce Tim gaze. Yes, uh, exactly. <laughs> like like the, some, the dude has done some amazing cartoons, created some great characters, but even fans that love him are like, "There's parts of his stuff that we just choose not to talk about." Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and and a, and a lot of that is like when he draws Harley and Ivy together. And, yeah, and a lot of it's like, mm, uh, it, it's a difference between, it's a difference between like saying this is a wonderful relationship between these two women, and then saying. Mm, lesbians you know like there's a big yeah. difference between those two yeah, things there, there is a big difference and, and honestly yeah, and so, yeah and so it like, feels more authentic even for a cartoon yeah and and i really wanted to get into the the i heard there was a there was a 
six issue series. Yeah, tie-in series. Yeah, that tie-ins that that goes in between season two and three. And I just finished. Uh, I want to watch season three before HBO Max decides to take them off the air. I know. I'm waiting the day for that to come just yeah. to announce that. Yeah. So I got this delivered today. The uh, oh, you can't see it. <laughs> well, we're on a podcast screen. anyway. Nobody can see it. Yeah. Oh, right, right. So it's the Harley. <laughs> it, it's so it's that series, and it was written by uh, um, T. Franklin. Black, queer, disabled, autistic, award-winning, best-selling comics and TV writer and public speaker from New Jersey. Uh, and this book has the Glad Media, uh, a Glad Media Award, you know? So w- the one thing that was keeping me from getting this book originally is because I, w- I was thinking, like, you know, uh, I, d- I don't want to read this book if it's not written by the right people. And, and the writing seems very up to snuff as far as like credentials go. I don't want to, I don't think I ever want to read a Harley Quinn and Ivy love story. That's not uh, like that, that that's written by a dude, you know, let me, know. let me bring, well, okay. Um, sorry. I'm thinking of the, there's one writer whose name I cannot pronounce, uh, who he and his wife worked together on some books, um, that star lesbians. And, uh, I, I know a lot of lesbian comic book readers that really loved those books. But that, that brings up a – I'm going to bring up a controversial question. I'm going to ask you this, right? So when we talk about people of a culture creating something, um, the first time that I was really super aware of that happening on purpose uh, was Miss Marvel, where mm-hmm. they had uh, female Muslim creators, uh, especially the editor who, who was of herself of Pakistani descent, um, you know, uh, writing this character and bringing a lot of their own life into this. Um, but there was that backlash, that online backlash of like, oh, you're you're being too, and, and I'm going to use the phrase that I hate, too woke, and 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 the question becomes, is this inclusion in the in the back room that you're talking about, is it, how do I word this? I'm trying to. These are not my arguments, but theirs. Is it ever too much? Mm. And, and 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 on the flip side of that, can someone who is not of a community still write a character? Can I'll start with the second one. Can someone who's not of a of a community write a character? Of course, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, do they need to uh, be mindful of what they're writing? Absolutely, of course. Um, it's the difference between just farting something out and 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 trying to be sensitive to your readers. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the other question is, uh, what was the other one? Is it too? Is, is, is there ever a situation where it might be too much? Like, oh, they're only hiring people because of this or only uh, for that. No, because that's never happened in the history of the world. <laughs> no, it's never happened. Like, just so, because it's finally happening doesn't mean it's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like the, the, the woke thing, you know, that's like, I mean, the society is trying to correct itself. You know, that's at least that's how I feel about it, you know. Um, and there's a, a culture of people who are fighting against it because, uh, fuck, because they don't fucking know any better. Sorry, they just don't know any better. You know, it's scary to them. It's scary uh, that you're that you got a new boss and he's black. Because I don't know how to talk to that guy, you know? It's scary to them that um, their new coworker is um, is is Indian 
And he doesn't want to go by a nickname. He wants you to pronounce his fucking name. That's now you shouldn't fight that. You know? Learn how to pronounce the fucking name. Learn how to treat your new boss who's black like a fucking human being. You know? Like change for the better, you know? This I got the story. My car so my car died. It was at the mechanic and it was dead. And so I was waiting at the mechanics because I was selling the car and I was waiting for the for the guy who's buying the car to come pick it up with his tow truck. Um, meanwhile, you know, I'm sitting there because I don't want to sit outside because it's raining. And I'm listening in because I have ears. And this guy um, is talking about his bill. And, he, uh, you know, the itemized list. And then he stops and he goes, wait a minute. My mechanic... My mechanic's name was Diesel. That's kind of that's kind of funny. Like a mechanic, and his name is Diesel. And the guy who he's talking to, very nonchalantly, actually hilariously, he he thought it was so funny. He said, uh, "Actually, his name is Achmander, but nobody wants to try to pronounce that, so we all named him Diesel." <laughs> and everybody in the building starts fucking laughing. I live in um. I live in a very white city, by the way. Yeah. A uh, very small white city. You can One of the suburbs own, of Austin. Draw your own conclusions on, on what that means. Yeah. And so, like, this one dude, he's trying to get a job, and his name is Achmander, and he, uh, and he, and you know what? I'm probably mispronouncing it, but I'm fucking trying, right? Yeah, make an and, effort. And, it, and if I went face-to-face with him, he would tell me how to say it right, and I'd correct it. Or uh, the or he would say it's fine, and then you would tell him no. Tell me how to say it right. Right, right, right. And um, but and then these guys are like, ooh, how about Diesel? Has nothing to do. Like they didn't even call him. I don't know. Fucking. I don't even. I'm not even. They they weren't even trying to do something that sounded like his original name. They were just like, not even worth trying. Not even worth trying. Yeah, and 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 it, it. was pretty disgusting and i hated that shit one thing Um, i I tell people a lot is is don't make fun of somebody's name you know somebody's welcome to make fun of their own name as much as they want but don't make fun of their name Mm. so the thing i was going to bring up earlier is that there was a uh a writer gene long yang right wrote american born chinese uh writer artist uh does this amazing amazing book all kinds of awards for his book so DC goes to him and said, hey, you did an award-winning graphic novel. How'd you like to write a comic book for us? He's like, yes, I'd love to do that. Great. You're going to write the Chinese Superman. And he Go said, ahead. no, I'm not going to do that. It's like, well, but but you're Chinese, and we want a Chinese version of Superman. So you'll write mm-hmm. it. It's like, why can't I just write Superman? It's like, no, no, write the Chinese version of Superman. And he eventually mm-hmm. agreed to do it, and he did a great job with it. But what I think is really neat about it is you were talking earlier about acknowledging these, these messed up characters. He literally mm-hmm. brought in a bunch of really racist characters from back in the day to essentially address them. Uh, the funniest one for me is, you know, Batman, right? Batman appeared in Detective Comics, but he didn't appear in Detective Comics number one. It was Detective Comics number 27. Detective Comics number one had a racist stereotype villain Chinese guy on the cover. Oh, and so uh, <laughs> Yang brings him back. Is gonna address him right now. It's like the very first DC comic, literally. And uh, let's bring him back. And, and I love that idea that he 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 did a great. Dear job. Lord, I just googled it. Oh no! <laughs> yes, that is that is what DC Comics comes from, right there. If you're sir. listening to this podcast, 
right now google detective comics number one. Oh my yep. goodness yep he literally brought that character back <laughs> just to address Yikes. it and, and i'm like you know what i gotta respect that i gotta respect that like first off i, I appreciate that if they were going to do a chinese superman character set in china that they would bring in somebody who is proud of his heritage but on the flip side the fact that that was all you offered him this award-winning author you know, like Brownsville, Brownsville, I'm thinking of your book right now, New Brownsville. <laughs> uh, Marvel, mm-hmm. Marvel brought in Tanahasi Coates to write Black Panther. That's because he wanted to. He also wanted to write Captain America. So they let him write Captain America. It wasn't like they said, oh, you're known as a black writer. You have to write black characters. Mm-hmm. You know, um, on the one hand, I love that they're doing that and I want them to do that more. On the other hand, don't only do that. Like, don't just stop yeah. there. That's like a half measure. Um, similarly, you know, that doesn't mean you can't have black characters or, or Latino characters show up in, in books written by white people, but like have somebody in the room <laughs> to review exactly. it first. Like, right. did anybody look this over before you decided to do that? So, so there's a detective comics. Number one, uh, there, there, the tagline on the bottom says action packed stories in color, uh, color actually makes it worse yeah it does uh don't, don't look up don't look up what shang chi's first comics look like i'm gonna because uh, 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 shang chi let's just say was not colored like a human being when he was first appearing in comics uh he was oh they i think i think uh he was quite they, got, they got control of the algorithm they're only showing me like the modern shang chi number well one. on the covers it wasn't necessarily that but if you read the actual comics on the inside mm-hmm. he was colored yellow flat out no that's um horrible uh you know what i'm gonna do one more just just real quick and then we need to to get off this topic you know captain america had a sidekick named bucky i do yeah do you know bucky had sidekicks i did not and one of his sidekicks was black and was named whitewash jones what i kid you not and uh i've read a lot of 1940s comics and i've noticed something about uh jones appearances he is either drawn like a normal teenage kid, like the other kids in the book, but written in the worst kind of, you know, uh, minstrel show language you've ever heard. Oh, no. Or he is written like a normal teenager with normal speech patterns, but drawn like the most racist image you can possibly imagine. It is oh, one or the other. Ah. And on that note, we have come a long way in the past 90 years. Uh, we are not that place anymore and we don't want to go back to it for everybody that keeps saying that uh we shouldn't be be pushing this forced diversity i I agree with you oscar it's inclusion it's not saying that we need to replace what exists it's saying hey we are still innovating we're still creating let's bring in people who are of cultures to have characters of cultures and hey if they're not going to be the ones creating it at least have them be in the room to discuss it so we can find out is it a good idea to have maybe don't delivering tacos yeah you know? and 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 listen to them you know like uh please don't, please listen don't uh listen to them and then like well but i like my my little idea better you know like it's i like the i like the taco cover you know do it anyway yeah and, and and it's one thing if if somebody chose to do a taco cover or if somebody like i said the one with the female green lantern that one's actually pretty decent cover i like that cover in a vacuum that cover is amazing but in the idea that all of the covers had to have food in it that's ridiculous that is yeah i i would have liked uh and here's here's another thing the whole hispanic heritage month 
deal. That cover of Green Lantern holding a taco, like holding the bag of tamales, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, if that was like a just a Green Lantern cover on, you know, uh, in February or yeah. April, yeah, it would be kind of cool. Maybe, maybe. But if it's part of a mandate where all these people have to be doing Mexican food shit because we're supposed to be celebrating the culture, it's very uh, what's the word? The word reductive, you know. It's it's very yeah. like, uh, yeah. and exactly it showed, it yeah. And to go back to what I said earlier, it just goes to show that the only the only culture that the people in the boardroom know, other than their own, is when they decide when they open up Uber Eats or when they tell their friends, "Hey, let's go out to eat. What do you want to eat?" It's only food, you know, because and, and that sucks, you know, and and. I mean, everybody does that, you know? Everybody so, does it. You know what? I was curious. I just typed in Mexican in Google search, uh-huh. and uh, most of the top hits, food. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, our food is badass. I'm not going yeah, to no, yeah, I'm not gonna dispute that. Like, like, literally, I was complaining about this to a friend of mine over the phone while I was eating tacos. And I'm like, okay, look, I know I'm a stereotype, but <laughs> damn it, tacos yeah. are good. Uh, somebody, somebody on my Twitter, somebody on my Twitter feed who lives in Brownsville uh, is angry because there is a restaurant that there's an Applebee's opening in, in Brownsville, but they're not mad that there's an Applebee's opening. They're mad that there's an Applebee's opening instead of a Chipotle. And I read that before I walked home today, my 45-minute walk, and I was I was frustrated and confused and mad my entire walk. Why would somebody who lives in Brownsville want a Chipotle? Why would you, everything that Chipotle sells, everything you can get somewhere better and cheaper in Brownsville? I go to Brownsville. I ain't going to no Applebee's. I'm not going to no Chipotle. You know, I'm going to Mr. Taco, Ultimo Taco. I'm going like literally anywhere that's not a chain. You know, Kiki. unless it's a unless it's a local chain. Uh, so I was just very confused about that, and I, I think you know the poor soul. I think they just don't know how good they have it down there, mm. as far as food goes. Well, it's funny. I, I, I'm not gonna lie. I love Austin uh, on the whole, but on the I miss, whole, I miss the food. I miss the food, man. Of what? It, it, Lorenzo? I, ha- I have not found really, really, really good Mexican food north of, say, Corpus Christi. You know? Oh yeah, it, it's sure. very hard. Except for I, I will say Houston. I, um, surprisingly enough, Houston has a lot of really good food in there. I will give them the credit. Oh, Houston's but, food hands down is better than Austin. But like, but man, I, I miss that food from the border. And, and, and that's yeah. the thing, as I can understand the idea of connecting food to culture. But bringing it back to Kyle, Kyle was not raised in that culture. He's never explored that culture. Uh, he doesn't have any connection to the culture other than technically his biological father, who he hasn't seen since he was six months old. Yeah. And it's like, and you know, since he's culture? a since he's like a space cop, I look at that cover and I'm like, he didn't pay for those tamales. <laughs> Somebody gave him the tamales. The tamales. He he, he, he pulled he pulled some name. he pulled somebody over and then he was like, oh, what you got there? Yeah, bully. Civil forfeiture of your tamales. <laughs> man. Oh man! And on that note, man, I think we need to wrap this up. Right Oscar, on. thank you so much for representing Five Meats. Can you uh, tell people where they can find you online? Yep. At five meets on all social media. Um, 
stick around, keep, you know, follow us. Our book is going to drop in the winter. Uh, if you don't want to wait, there's some people who don't. There's these uh, that we're selling our ash cans, the 24 page ash can at, at uh, Comic Con. Uh, somebody did. This is a rite of passage, and I'm so happy to hear this. Somebody bought 10 copies oh, of Mashbone and Grifty at San Diego Comic Con and is selling them on eBay. Go to <laughs> eBay. I love it. And and they're they're selling. See, I, what I love about this up. is you're not getting that 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 uh, you're not getting any money off the top when it's being sold on eBay. But you are just so happy to see it being sold on eBay, and I agree with dude, you. I'm I so happy to see people like that's my baby in the wild. Yes. I'm so happy to yes. see it. That dude saw our stuff and is like, "Yo, I gotta resell this." You know, I, that makes me happy. Um, so go look up Mashbone and Grifty on eBay. Uh, the dude's selling them at 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 cost, which is I think is kind of crazy, but. Um, yeah, so buy them if you don't want to wait. And if not, it's going to drop in the winter. Um, oh, here's some news to just drop. Uh, just yesterday, I, I, we, I, we sent the pages out for the complete 100 page book. Hell yeah. Uh, along with the variant cover drawn by the awesome comic at comic pro crystal, uh, Rodriguez, right? Oh, dang. I got that right. Uh, I'm so bad with names. Yes, yeah. no, I'm terrible at names. Crystal Gonzalez. <laughs> I, I didn't. Uh, know you, I, I knew you had uh, Jay Gonzo did the did the other variant cover. You have another yeah. another artist working on this one too. Yes, uh, Jay Gonzo did the cover for the Ashcan, mm-hmm. the Comic Con exclusive. They only printed 100 copies. If you have that book, you are one of a hundred. I know uh, uh, Freddie wants to be one of those hundred. Uh, he can talk to us about that. Uh, <laughs> And then, um, yeah, and, then, and Crystal just did a really cool variant cover for the um, for Volume One. Volume One is called "Open for Biz," uh, the hundred-page book of how these guys got started, and it's their first two uh, crazy adventures. All right, follow at follow Five Meets at Five Meets on all the relevant apps. Uh, also follow and seek out Chispa Comics. Follow and seek out Scout Comics that are producing and publishing Five Meets, uh, Mashbone and Grifty. Uh, also, uh, you can find me at uh, kevingarcia.com or monomythic.com. Not that either has been updated anytime recently, but I'm working on that. Uh, and of course, this has been my Primos podcast. Please follow my Primos uh, on whichever podcast app you use. Give us a like, give us a share, tell your friends about it, tell your cousins about it. Tell your enemies about it. Have everybody listen to my primos. Thank you so much, primos and primas and primes. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.